This podcast is a Bendy Geddig Media production. Hi, I'm David Cottrell and you are listening to a Touchline Rant podcast. Episode 169, believe it or not, of a Touchline Run podcast. My name is Luke. Welcoming this week, I am joined by Mr. Jordan Lloyd. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. There you go. I know. It's getting, it feels now, because there's been a few episodes where there's just two of us on, when it's usually four. <laughs> it, it's getting cozy it now. It's like a chat. It's a nice call. word. It's getting it's co- cozy. I like it. I do. I like it. It feels like we're recording. It's with like a, a little desert fire. island discs going on, isn't it? Yeah, I like it. I do like it. We just get them in and just be like, we could get guests on. Just be like, come and come around our corner. There's much more room for activities now. There's only two of us. Yeah, there's loads. It's, we could play darts yeah. if we wanted. It's nice. <laughs> right. We should probably talk about. Well, I won't tell them what we're going to talk about. We'll just talk about it. So, I've got a list of topics here that we've agreed upon. And next to number one, it says that we need to talk about, are there teams who are actually performing better than would normally be expected because of the lack of fans? I'm looking at West Ham immediately. Yeah, toxic, you know. It wasn't that toxic during the Olympics, that ground. So, it must be West Ham stinking it out. Um, do you think? Do you think there's some, you know, element of truth in this? Do you think without having the fans getting on their backs, has it allowed for more freedom to be played, and then therefore better performances? I think so. I think there's always a factor with it. What we all know that West Ham fans are are a noisy bunch. They're a rowdy bunch, and they, you know, a good home sport. Upton Park was a fortress. That was, you know, twenty points a season guaranteed there, and. They've had struggles in the new ground. You know, the fans haven't really taken to it. Um, The fans haven't been happy with the ownership. And that's often then kind of made its way towards the players, towards the performances. Um, I think if you just look at the stats, when Moyes picked them up last year, they were a point off the relegation zone. Now, Champions League spots. That speaks for itself, really. I think... He's relaxed and there's obviously a lot of players who perform with, with the crowd there, but I think it's just relaxed them. I think um, they've just been, they've looked a little bit more free, like the shackles are off. And yeah, I, I think you're spot on. I think without the fans, I think it has actually benefited them. There's no slur on the West Ham fans. I just think maybe it's the attitude of the squad they've got that um, they, they need to just not worry about these outside factors, not worry about the politics of the club and not worry about anything like that and just worry about their football. And oh, that's working. They look brilliant. Yeah. Um, last week, I had some messages from Newcastle fans because I basically gave them a reality check mm. at where they are as a club. So when they're kicking off and saying they need investment and blah, blah, blah. Well, all right, calm down. But, you know, know your place, mm. really. <laughs> you know, you need to be worried about staying in the league. I always put West Ham in that bracket. And the fans do seem to have 
because basically because they won a World Cup, as they like to say. They've got an overinflated ego, I would say, the most polite way I can put it. And I just think when they're getting on the back of the, the when they're getting on the backs of their players consistently, all right, you've got issues with the owners, that's fine. But you get it on the backs of some of those players. Oh, and it's just like it's, it's toxic. It affects it massively because obviously there's some there's a good few youngsters, especially in that West Ham side, who you know, don't want to be scared to give the ball away or, you know, get hounded for, or even yeah. just have, even if they have a bad game, they want to be able to recover from it because it must weigh. I think, look at Declan Rice. He was, he's been playing brilliantly the last couple of seasons, but this season, and he's not got the fans there, he's playing elite football now. He's looking like one of the best centre mids, DMs, that kind of like defensive, like yeah. shielding role he does. He's, he's looking like one of the best in Europe at the minute doing it. He looks so confident. He looks like a leader out there. And I think perhaps without the fans, and he can hear himself on the pitch and he's shouting and barking about, I think he especially has benefited massively from it, absolutely massively. And you're right, I think West Ham, like Newcastle, I think they're big clubs. But I think in terms of where they should be in the league, I think you're right. I think they've fallen into the trap of thinking they should be a little bit higher than they are. But then... um. Newcastle on the flip side of the coin, I think, are missing the fans, and I think they are where they should be. But now West Ham are actually enjoying, you know, they finally feel like they're being proven right now. About fifteen <laughs> years of saying it, but you know, they're um, without them there and their ego, they're flying. <laughs> they're doing they're it actually. Low. They're it's, the problem. West Ham are, perf- yeah, West Ham are performing now in the way that I always feel when I've been in London for a bit too long. Like if I've gone to London for like a week and not just a couple of days and I'm like, by the end of it, I'm like, I need to get London off you now. Do you know what I mean? I just need to get out of London. Without them, London, without those bloody Londoners in, in the stadium, West Ham are world class. They're ridiculous to the point where I'm genuinely worried about United playing them in the FA Cup. Because I think West Ham will want that game oh, so boys, much. Yeah. Oh, God. yeah. But since, you know, basically since they've, aired out the stadium a bit it's got better yeah nice freedom like they were this pod we've got rid of two people each yeah. week we've operated on two with a skeleton crew we're thriving that's what's happening at west ham yeah, they've taken away some of the clutter <laughs> and now they can breathe and they're fine and they can play football it turns out west ham yeah. can play football yeah it turns out yeah, they're all always right. got manage they're not, it's not fine most of jesus who would have known who would have known um should we should right? Let's should we stay in London now, but should we move to an even more toxic part mm, of the city? Yeah. I feel bad. I lo- I do love London. I do it as well. Said, Just in but, small you know, places. Yeah, yeah. You don't need it for a fortnight. No one needs that in their life. Um, we going over to Chelsea, so it's going to go a bit more posh, mm. to be honest. And talking of posh, Frank Lampard. Tory voter, man who said Donald Trump was interesting, has been sacked. Right. Um, do you think he's gone too soon or was he always out of his depth? I'm conflicted with this. I'm even forgetting what I've said so far this season. So if I listen back to other pods, I reckon I've bounced back and forth with this. I'm to the point where I can't remember what I said last time. I can't remember if I backed him off, I wanted him gone. Every time I mention it, someone mentions his name, I think, what do I think about this? And I struggle. So, based on tonight, <laughs> I think he did a good job last season. 
There's no doubt about that. He took a strange situation for the club, brought through the youth, and it went well. There was me thinking, you know what? He's back in youth here. Turns out he only did it because he didn't have a choice. And that immediately he started getting the checkbook out and he started spending. I thought, I don't like this. I think what's been what he's been found out this season is his coaching. So the players he's signed have regressed. So Havertz doesn't have a spot. Havertz looks lost. Yeah. Werner looks just shell shocked. Silver's helped in patches. He had he had a really good, he had a poor start, good patch, and it's gone a bit off now. But there was just an air of discontent, wasn't there? It just didn't look like the players were singing on the same sheet. No one really looked happy there. Even when they were winning, yeah. no one looked really happy there it just all looked a bit stale the only thing I would say is I don't really get why they let him start this season if they weren't if they're going to sack him now because they're still kind of in the mix they can you know they win five in the trot they're up there again so it's a strange timing but am I shocked no was it going to have a happy ending no it wasn't going to have a happy ending they never never play the same place twice not that They've made the move, and do we are we shocked by Chelsea sacking managers? No, we're not. There's no loyalty there. So, <laughs> you know what? Good luck to him. But yeah, time to move on. I think the problem that you you've got is that if you sign world class players like Kai Havertz and Timo Werner, and they don't immediately click into your tactics, what you do is you switch the tactics around so that that is the sensible thing <laughs> to do. You suit yeah. the players that you've got. Yeah, like Timo Werner is lethal, and I have absolutely no doubt that he will become lethal again, um, potentially under Thomas Tuchel. Now, he might get him firing, but he didn't. He forced Timo Werner to play the Lampard way. It's like, well, all right, mate, but, you know, you don't buy a dog and bark yourself, do you? Just put Timo Werner up front and get the balls played in so he can run onto it. It's like, the Lampard you know, way has been formed make... by taking a sixth place derby team and finishing sixth. So, yeah, I don't, yeah, this is exactly you know, I, I know he's got his own ideas. This, he's clearly a, a qualified young coach, and his playing career meant that you know he knows uh, Premier League well. He knows the club well, and I think he shot himself in the foot. I think he developed brilliant youngsters, and then the minute he fucked them off, then it was just like, well. You've lost the youngsters' support. And then the new big boys come in from Europe, from elite coaches, and they're like, you can't coach. You're playing me on the wing. I score 30 goals on the shoulder up front. And all of a sudden, then, if you've lost the youth and you've lost the elite players, what you're left with is, like, you know, yeah. Danny Drinkwater doesn't even respect him. And, you know, it says it all. I, well, yeah. it's the problem that I have with Frank Lampard is... I loved him. As, I, I I highly rate him as a player, mm. um, and I never had any issue with Lampard at all until he came back and played for Man City. And when he came back to play for Man City, but still did that fake kind of oh sorry, sorry. I lost all respect for him at that minute. I prefer if you're going to come back. I actually prefer the Carlos Tevez way of doing it. <laughs> To be honest, I never thought I'd hear you back, Tevez. Um, well, he was class was, for us. Was, yeah, he went amazing. to Man City, but he was quality for us. Um, and Carlos Tevez, you know, money grabbing prick, you know. but uh, yeah, I prefer that way of doing it. The Adabayor way of doing it. That way, just like yes, I scored. You know, don't do the fake. Oh, sorry, 
Do you not think he, just... in that moment of scoring that goal, had he done an Adebayor, would he have got the Chelsea job? No, uh, I no. don't think so either. No. <laughs> pro- no. Do you think Adebayor will no, ever get the definitely. Arsenal job? <laughs> <laughs> if I was in charge at Arsenal, if, if I ever had the money and I bought Arsenal, I'd be like, listen, I'm bringing Adebayor in as director of football. Oh, <laughs> And we're going to do a video announcing him where he runs down the pitch. <laughs> I would run, I would be, as the owner of Arsenal, I would film a video of me charging down the pitch, sliding on my knees and throwing a contract at Adebayor, <laughs> who catches it, signs it, and then it just says, new director of football. <laughs> oh, we need to make this happen. We need to make some money for this. <laughs> but that's the way of doing it. Don't do it like Lampard. And then when he... Yeah, when he became a manager then, I lost complete and utter respect for him a bit more when he said um, that he never... He, oh, well, I didn't want the club to become an academy club. If you're a manager of a football club who has young players in it and you say on TV, I didn't want it to become an academy club, what does that do to your under-18? Well, exactly. And, uh, you know, this is my usual Claxon moment for shoehorning Wolves in here, but... We're, we're having a bit of a poor run at the minute, but the one thing that really keeps me on top of it and keeps me feeling happy is when we've struggled, Nuno has said the solutions are within. I've got the youth here. You know, I trust these boys. Everyone's going, oh, go and sign, go and buy, go and buy. And, you know, we do need strength. But he goes, no, the kids, the kids are good. They're old enough. I, I, you know, I want them on the bench. I want them in the team. We've had debuts with so many youngsters. And it actually makes you really proud because I'm thinking there's a system there. There's a structure. There's a balance. You're not just filling an academy because you have to. Chelsea have got one of the best youth systems going. Why they're not tapping into it yeah. absolutely blows my mind. They're their academy. If you put them together as an 11, yeah. they'd finish top half of the Prem. They've got some brilliant players there. But yeah, he d- yeah. doesn't want to. Too arrogant. It's, it's, yeah, it's just, oh, I'll buy these stars in. Now, they've bought, they bought good players. Don't get me wrong. They bought great players. But yeah, the the big issue for me with Chelsea was the fact that they brought Mendy in and Kepper, who at one point was the most expensive goalkeeper in the world, is just sat on the bench. It's like, you've got to sell him. If you bought Mendy to replace him, you've got to sell him. He's You can't let him sit on the bench. That's, you're going to destroy mm. him as a player. You know, the, the best thing would have been, right, well, okay, we'll let you leave. It's just reeks of just the club doing. Just For the first time in a long time with Chelsea, it just I just can't see their direction. You know, in the past, he's just got a big name in two years, canned it. The next man comes in, does a bit better, cans it. And it's kind of gone like that. But he's always gone, I'll get someone elite in and I'll spend money. They went a different tact with Lampard, but now it just seems so muddled. I just really don't get what their path is. I, I, I can't quite work out what... what they want to do what's their objectives this season are they just thinking bring you through develop for next year I just I can't see their path and it's really odd for a rich team and a you know a team who's been successful in the last 10-15 years it's just really strange I don't get it yeah no it's there is the problem with Chelsea <laughs> with <laughs> <laughs> The problem with Chelsea as well is their their ridiculous use of the loan system. Oh yeah. Which which just drives me at the wall. We get um I'm getting completely off the topic of Lampard here, which was the reason that we were talking. Um 
Thomas Tuchel. Good appointment. Uh, I'm not sure it is, you know, and I'm going to look like a div because I've probably gone and win the league or something, but <laughs> I don't know with this one. It didn't work out very well at PSG for him. And okay, one one job doesn't make the man and, you know, there's a lot to him and stuff like that. But it sounds like there's a bit of a power struggle at Chelsea at the minute with um, players. There's rumours of people like Rudiger and stuff kicking off at Lampard. And like you just said then, you alluded to then, perhaps Lampard was a bit nice and, and stuff like that. But I don't yes. think it's worked in the past with Chelsea when a strong character has gone in. It's always upset them. If they, it, whenever a powerful, oh, we're doing it my way, has come in, it, it, it's not always gone very well there. Tuchel seems to be a... Uh, a very much a control freak, a, you know, I've got my way of doing, very rigid. You mentioned earlier Lampard not changing tactics. I don't think Tuchel's a plan B kind of guy. I think it's a, I've got this system, you'll learn my way. And I think I think they've struggled with that, with the um, not having a plan B this year, which is strange because they've got the players for plan B. They've got these Giroux and stuff on the bench. They can, they can set up all sorts of way. Um, Tuchel's coming off the back of a poor job at, Paris Saint-Germain as opposed to them getting him let's say for example after his um, Dortmund role um, so I think his pride is dented a bit and his reputation's dented a bit um, I'm not sure I, I got a funny feel I, I feel that they just needed someone a bit different I can see why they've done it it's risk-free he's out of work and, he, and you know he's a top-level European manager I just I don't think it's quite right for them Um yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not too sure. I, I can't see. I can't see a huge improvement from Lampard. Maybe this season. Who knows? It might be better next season. But I, I personally think an Allegri or something might have suited better. But um, I'm, I'm not sure. Kind of on the fence, but I'm leaning more towards no. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the inevitable Diego Simeone appointment at Chelsea at some point in the future. I'm just going to sit back and watch the explosions. Yeah, it's been it's been waiting to happen, that hasn't it? That's been just there. Simeone at Chelsea feels like a, as a neutral a match made in heaven because it will go really well, and then it could be the first time you know since Mancini and Balotelli that we see manager and players having scraps mm. on the training ground, just full on. What do you wars. think on? Tuchel, what's your, what's your thoughts? Um, I think the issue with PSG, there's there's a PSG are an odd club because obviously you've got these you've got these mega stars there, and then you've got the other players who are still brilliant players, but they have to do more of the work a lot of the time. So like someone like uh, Kazawa, mm. um, he works his ass off and Marquinhos and Ferrati, these players work themselves into the ground to allow this star system they have to work to a certain extent. If you had, uh, and Thomas Tuchel as well, was literally trying to make square pegs go into round holes in a lot of ways. I just don't think, I think it was a clash at mm. PSG. Um, I think it just sucks the best out of people, to yeah. be honest. Um, if I was a football manager, I would stay well clear of PSG. If I was a player, you want to hide in for nothing football. there, because unless you win the Champions League, you get sacked there, and they're not good enough just yet to win the Champions League. Yeah, 
it's literally the only cl- the only club in the world where you can get sacked for winning the league three years in a row. <laughs> so it's it's like when um, Real Madrid's in the heyday of the Galacticos era sacked Del Bosque because he only won the Champions League. It's like uh, he ev- didn't win the. Never was the Atlanta night when Celtic have won ten times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! <laughs> yeah, horrible oh, game, isn't it? <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> it is. It is. But you know, good thing for Thomas Tuchel is that PSG, he's going to have a much more relaxed time at Chelsea. Oh <laughs> no! Ah, he could go. He could go full VS Boas and just have to disappear for a while, and then get a credible job in France that he's doing really well. Like Tuchel could end up, I can see him at like a Stuttgart or something in five years' Spot time on. after he's got Couldn't Chelsea. Couldn't agree with really you more there. That's a great. I'd even bet on Stuttgart. Actually, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's. It, I can see it happening in like five years' time. He got sacked at Chelsea. He had to go to like Russia or something to repair his uh, his reputation a little, and then he winds up at Stuttgart and they do really well and they challenge for the. So Lopetegui, it'd be follow that path. Yeah, I can see it happening. Um, what was next? Point three. <laughs> this, this, I'm not even trying to attempt the link. There. <laughs> I'm not even going to bother. Oh, there you go. Uh, no, I'm not even going to bother. United played Liverpool <laughs> um, twice um, in a week. The first one was shit, and the second one was brilliant. Um, do you think, weirdly, the fact that the first game was actually a league game and the second was an FA Cup, I'd argue that the FA Cup game has, will end up having a bigger impact on their t- uh, league positions than the actual league yeah, game. Yeah, that's I couldn't agree with you more. That's a, I, that's a brilliant mean? observation. I I think it's the um, that psychological. Um, you know, they, they played at a kg nil nil, which was better for United because it was at Liverpool, and I actually thought. On the balance, yeah. the United were way better than Liverpool, even in that nil. They won a great game. Neither team were brilliant, but I just thought there were certain individual performances in the United um, team at Anfield. I thought were um, were fantastic. Luke Shaw, for one, just I thought was one of the one of the performances of the season. Um, and then this one, psychologically, it was one of those. It was like, well, we couldn't beat each other last time, so one of us has got to win this one. And you know, United only won it by a goal, but if you look at it, they um, they did everything in the game. They went behind, turned it round. So it was basically like, well, we're happy to go behind. And then they got pegged back and then still went on and won it. So in the game, everything happens here for United and they beat it every time. So even though they beat them only once for the tie, every little mini battle in that game, United were equal to and then excelled it. And I think psychologically that'll be quite quite damaging for Liverpool and United they must feel on top of the world right now. So you're absolutely right. That FA Cup one will affect the league way more than had United scraped to 1-0 at Anfield and then lost in the Cup. I think this way around changes a lot. Yeah, great observation. Yeah. I think it's... it's it's Watching that, that FA Cup game, what it strikes home was how this season suddenly United look as though they're gritting their teeth and they're going, no, we can do this. It's almost taken, I'd argue, Bruno Fernandes. I think he's, 
people keep like comparing him to Cantona, and it's hard to disagree. Mm. It's Cantona came in and took what was a good side that was challenging for the league title and made them title winners in one season because he just lifted the entire team. Bruno Fernandes is coming and it's been phenomenal. And the rest of the team then, because these are big egos and big players, and they know then, well, I have to raise my level now to match. I think him. with the Cantona comparison, you're spot on as well, is that they need someone for the press to focus on. So before Fernandes, everyone was just looking at Man United as a whole, and their players getting picked here, left, right, and centre, and the press was focusing on them. Now, the press is solely on Fernandes. So they're either looking for him yeah. to slip up or they're talking about how brilliant he is. But then in the background, because he's hogging the press and he seems to like it. I've seen some brilliant interviews with him where he's, uh, you know, he said the other day that, you know, they asked if he was tired. He was like, I'm 26. He goes, if I'm tired now, I'm not going to be able to walk when I'm 30. And he goes, I want to play for longer than that. So yeah. he wears it brilliantly. But because of that then, Rashford just looks free again. Brilliant. Luke Shaw, like I said, looks fantastic. Uh, you've had Bailly come back and do well and tactically Oli just getting all these decisions right. And I just think having, like Cantona did, just someone that with that star quality that the press are interested in, just lets everybody else quietly get on with things and it works perfectly. And again, he, he was he was on the bench, they did the job, but then he come on and had that star quality to win it. And yeah, it's that Cantona comparison is a, a really accurate one, yeah. It's, it's interesting to see how the squad react when Bruno isn't playing, when he's not starting, you can almost feel as though the rest of the team, like we got to lift our performance here because mm. he's not here. He's not playing. So it's up to us now. And they're fighting to get in the same side, basically. Like Bruno Fernandes, if he's fit and they're not resting him for a cup game, he'll start every single game. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're auditioning to get involved in his basically, game. Basically, yeah. Spot on, you know? yeah. Yeah. And you think all you need to do, if you add a few more names to that United side, like I do not, I I don't want to see Lindelof play against Maguire unless we're playing against a side that press really high. Because then they've got no option but to stray forward. It's when we play teams that play on the counter and it scares the shit out of me. Having he Maguire seems to have sussed that. I think I it's the big games when he knows they've got to sit deeper, it's Lindelof. And then when it's a game where United have got to take the game to teams, it's Bailly then. And, and I think he's proper worked that out now. He's not had a Bailly available all year, has he? So it's only now the last few weeks he's been able to rotate those. But I think, um, like you said, again, because of that, they're all raising their game. So even in that situation, it's Bailly and Lindelof competing to play with Maguire now. And both are, both's form when they play is looking better for it. They both look, you know, more up for it, more ready, more into it. And it's just, you know, everything's just clicking yeah. there. Look, it looks it looks good at the moment for... Um... Our squad right now is looking brilliant, like our squad on the whole. And what you've got is genuine competition for like even buying like Luke Shaw has been oh, phenomenal brilliant. but I don't think it's a coincidence that it's happened after we signed yeah, Alex exactly. Ellis and we got Brandon Williams there you know Luke Shaw is almost like well they've they've got a young up and coming left back from the academy they're not going to get rid of him because it's United and we don't get rid of our really talented young players without putting a lot of money up for him um, and they've bought a left back in Alex Tellis. So Luke Shaw's literally thought, he must have thought, well, I'm playing for my career here at United. 
because I thought it was looking that way. It really was. It was. It, it wasn't looking great. But like you said, had a bit of competition. He, he looks fitter. He looks his pace is back. Oh my god, he was rapid in, in the um, in the one at Anfield. Yeah, it's good to see. And I think yeah. um, I think he'll force his way into the England setup. I really do. He's 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 playing very well. Very, very well at the minute. Long may it continue. Um, Liverpool. Liverpool looked better, I thought, in the FA Cup game. I thought they looked, um, especially going forward, they did look decidedly better. Uh, I say Liverpool, I probably mean Mo Salah. I was trying to go through my head then and think, who else looked better for Liverpool? And I was like, Marley looked depressed the entire time. Jordan Henderson and Fabinho playing at the back. I'm not a fan. I'm not so fan. It's going back to your analogy of um, wrong shapes for the wrong problems, isn't it? It's just, I, I, I get why, but, yeah. you know, I think, again, going back to what we mentioned as well, is you just got to back youth. They'll, you know, they, they will make mistakes, these young players, but in the long term, it'll benefit them because then when you need to call on them in future seasons, they'll be ready and they'll be brilliant. Yeah, I felt bad for Yeah, Liz horrible Williams. moment. Um, you know, it's it's not not being able to react and then it leads into a goal and it's Liverpool United. That's, you know, that's bad. Enough. Um, and the people said that, you know, oh, I felt sorry for James Milner. I was like, well, he's not sorry. He wasn't through lack of ability. He's just not tall enough. And the ball was you know what I mean? perfect. <laughs> yeah, it was a stunning ball from Rashford to Greenwood who took oh it God, beautifully. Yeah. Um. And everyone's like, oh, I feel sorry for Milner. Why well, are you feeling sorry for him? He tried. He, he just needs to be sorry. You don't feel sorry for him because of genetics. What people worried about it. I know. He didn't head a ball, yeah, so we got to so, feel bad. Oh. He'll head the next one. Who cares? It's not like a... Yeah, like Reese Williams. That was a mistake. So it's like, oh, you know, that's going to... I hope he brushes that off. Da, da, da. But people are like almost making it as though Milner had like, missed an open goal or something. Or got red carded and they lost for that. I was like, you didn't miss the header. Yeah. He's a, he, I'm sure he'll be fine. He's had a good career. It's not going to define him. Yeah, he'll be all right. He'll be all right. Um, do you think, no, that's, do you think Liverpool are out with the no, title? Not, or, no, not at all. No, they're, they're in it. They'll, they'll click into gear. They're having a patch. They've not really had one of these patches, you know, for a while. It's, there were good signs, like you said. There were some really good moments. Salah looked really sharp. Um, some, there was there's some good performances in there. You know, there's a couple of mistakes that have crept in that they're getting punished for, which they probably didn't in the past. Uh, you know, they'll they'll be fine. They'll bounce back. They just need to keep it together. You know, um, I think Klopp will have a good handle on things. Um, they'll have players come back from fitness. They've obviously missed Van Dijk. You know, it's a huge. You, you you know you miss the best centre half in the world. You know you have you have him missing. You're not going to be the same team. Um, no, they're absolutely in the race. This is an absolutely crazy season this year. Um, you know it was Ollie out a few weeks ago, and then he did that interview saying uh, we're not going to let anyone have the satisfaction of beating us again, and they haven't lost since. So it's all happening. You know we've we've lost to Chelsea, we've lost a manager, but they're not far out of it. Spurs are up and down, so. You know, they're, they're absolutely not out of it. They're um, it's going to be hard for them, and they need to hit form quickly because it's it's with a, with games coming thick and fast, you can easily drop to four six points behind. But um, no, no, they're, they're not out of it by a long way. And I actually think, strangely enough, in this uh, odd season, it's hotting up as one of the 
best title races in a long time, actually, because there's a good few teams in it, which it hasn't been that way for a very long time. Yeah, they're looking good. They are looking good. It's 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 certainly an exciting season. Um, I'll yes. link this one. So this the season so far has been exciting, but what will the second half of the season have in store? So this is where you know this is what you and I have both been excited about because we've both practiced. Yeah. <laughs> is is the second half of the season? There's 19 games left. What's going to happen? Yeah, so please, I, you start. start yeah, please start. Yeah, please start. Okay. Um, Steve Bruce is going to get Correct. sacked. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to happen at some <laughs> point. Uh, probably when there's probably only like three games left of the season and Newcastle are 18th and a point off safety and they and they just leave it too late unless they bring in Rafa. Do you reckon they can go down? I do yes, as well. Definitely. What they need to do, they need to get to the point where they're like just above the relegation zone, like literally so close to going into the relegation zone and bringing Benitez because <laughs> they'll finish in like the Europa League spots. The only thing with them is, is that it's like the teams, Benitez coming back are the teams below them good enough to catch them. That's the only issue. But Fulham are showing signs. Yeah, that is that is the problem. So you never know. You never know. It's. I mean, you know, West Brom and Sheffield United need to hurry up if they're going to do anything at all. That's the issue. You can play shit this year and just go. Well, we're not Sheffield United, and we're not West Brom, so we're grand. You know, <laughs> we're fine. Um, I'll... What other predictions? I think that what else am I going to predict well obviously not everyone could go down but I've got a funny feeling Brighton you know I I reckon Potter might get sacked I'm going to go curveball there because I know he plays tidy football and stuff but there's only so much tidy football without points will be tolerated yeah there is an issue there full of the games in hand Brighton are in the bottom no they're not ignore me Fulham only got one game in hand over Brighton. But if they were to win it, they'd be within two points of Brighton. And they're playing each other on the yeah. um, this week, this game week. So if that's a yeah. Fulham win... Brighton, if Brighton... Well, yeah, exactly. If Brighton don't win that, you can make an argument that they would get very quickly dragged into that. You know? And also, because of where the clubs are in the league, and no offence to any of their fans, but the names Brighton and Hove Albion and Fulham... Don't exactly fill managers with, you know, <laughs> excitement. Do you know what I mean? Um, they got to be careful about the level of club they are because Pulis is available. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, if Bruce will be available if soon. <laughs> if, if, exactly. If you are a Brighton fan and they sack Potter, you'd be like, oh my God, because they're not getting Allegri, are they? Let's be honest. So. Yeah, Lampard, there you go. Lampard will be the next Brighton and Hove Albion manager. <laughs> Imagine. He'd suit Brighton. <laughs> yeah, he would actually. He'd suit Brighton. They'd love yeah. him down there. All the Brighton fans would be coming up to him going, is it true that you won a trophy? Like, yeah, <laughs> big name. What's it like? 
<laughs> like asking to see Lampard's medals. It's like, oh my god, he won stuff. You know? <laughs> What's he like? Um, yeah, um, Fulham will end up with they will. Bruce. What's your title predictions? Oh. What are you thinking? You're a United fan. You're involved in this, so oh. I'll ask you here. There's your heart on your head telling you which... Can United do it? Right. My... my. Uh, I can't... Man City. I just can't look past Man City. We were talking earlier before we started recording, because we, uh, some of the listeners may not know this, but we don't record every conversation we have. So we were having one of them pre-recorded, non-records. Um, and we were saying about Man City's fixtures coming up. I'll just read them, because they've got Sheffield United and Burnley as at time of recording. Then they're followed up by Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, West Ham and Man United. That's If they come through that, and they're still within touching distance of whoever's in first place, if it's not them, then mm. I think they'll win the league. That's a good... Especially because they've got so many difficult games. They've got two easy ones, let's be honest. Um, and then they've got really hard games. If they win all of those games and it goes into the United... It goes into the Manchester derby. Oh, what a game. And... They're on, you know, City know that if they beat them, they will go above them in the league. That's it. Done. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's done. Right, fine. The City what do you think league. Leicester can do this year? What do you think they're, they're up there? They're only three points behind or two points behind. Are they in the mix? Oh, Leicester should 100% be in the third as a minimum. They are, if you take, I would suggest that they're, if they, this is going to sound ridiculous because it's obviously not true, but if they finish third behind, say, Man City win it, Man City are Man City, they're a great side. A resurgent United under Ollie with exciting players and a genuine talent like Bruno Fernandes and all they'd have to do is add a few of the right sign-ins and they go again. If they can finish third above Liverpool this season, that would arguably be bigger than when they won the league title. Yeah, no, I get it. Get your angle, yeah, because obviously what they're competing against, and yeah, that league. Well, that league, it's gonna. I'm gonna sound ridiculous, but when Leicester won it, I'm not saying they didn't deserve it because they were the best side in the league. However. No, I'm, I'm really trying not to because this is not what I want to do. When Leicester won the league title, their closest rival was Spurs. And apologies, Spurs fans. But if they're your closest rivals in a title challenge, it's not much of a title mm. challenge. <laughs> yeah, Spurs didn't even end up finishing you know, second to the two-off race. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, that's the problem. Spurs end up getting shot, I believe, put down their glue now. Um, they, they, they did deserve it, but United were under Van Hal and were struggling, and weren't really doing much. Chelsea and City were just having weird type of years as well. They just Leicester were just the very, were on form, and a lot of other teams weren't. This year, United are on form, City are on form, Liverpool are having a wobble, but 
by and large, you know. And plus, it's one of the tightest like years ever. West Ham are fourth as we oh, as we speak. It's West Ham, and you've got Villa, who have been brilliant. You know, put in seven goals past Liverpool. It's it's finishing third in this league would be a massive accomplishment for a club like Leicester. City. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. And with a brilliant bloody manager as well. Good old Rogers. Yeah, just dodgy taste in yeah, self-portrait. Everyone, everyone's got... Uh, no one's perfect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and also, when he counts one, two, three out on his hands, he starts with his thumb. Which I, I do that. Weird. Yeah. Do you? You don't, you don't start with your do thumb you when you can. And then put your thumb up. You're the no. problem, mate. Not... <laughs> I absolutely do that. Oh, is it? <laughs> is this something what that you we start need to put a poll? I don't know what's normal. My index finger. No, I'm on <laughs> Team Rogers here. No? One. I just feel like if I started counting out going one, someone would think I'm going... But then if you... <laughs> which way do you go? Because which then you go to four something. and then you've got to right. go back to the other side for your thumb. Yeah, oh, no, you're weird. Yeah, no. Strange. <laughs> I, I'm doing it as we speak, and it, even to me, who does it all the time, yeah. that's a bit weird. <laughs> You've got problems. <laughs> you need help. It's the way, honestly, right, listeners as well, if you count out on your hand, you keep the thumb bent down, and then count one, two from your index finger, get to the fourth. When the thumb pops up for five, it's almost as if he's like saying hello. <laughs> I've blown my mind that I you don't start with your thumb. Now. I don't even care that we're not talking about football anymore. That's blown my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was the normal one and Brendan Rogers was the, the weird one. Weird ones always think they're the normal ones. <laughs> That's why yeah. they're not weird ones. <laughs> 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 I'm going to... Oh, right. I hope someone asks me to count something in the next, like, 24 hours. <laughs> Just start with my thumb. I'm doing it now in practice. And I can't even force myself to start with the index finger. It's so natural to start with my thumb. <laughs> no, you start with your index finger. When? Listen. When you put your index <laughs> finger up and then go, you, <laughs> it's like you're forcefully making a point. <laughs> So you're going, what? We finished talking about football. <laughs> <laughs> we have drifted off from this index fingers. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh. Yeah. Should we yeah. Can we carry on talking about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Thanks. Thank you very much for joining yeah. me. Three. Um, I'm not going to record an outro, so I'm just going to do it now. Thank you, Bendy Geddig Media, uh, for producing this podcast. And everyone listening, go follow us on social media at a touchline rant. And uh, we'll be back next week. Bye. Hi, this is the Blender Coach, and you're listening to a Touchline Rant's latest podcast, Back of the Net. The podcast you just heard was me. <laughs> using anger if you want to buy